It's a five-star podcast. Because we do it. What's What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the What's Real Podcast, episode 186. I am your host, Ed Demko, along with my cohort, co-conspirator, co-contributor, and my co Tag Team Championship partner in podcasting, the Jay himself, Jared Bajoris. What's going on, the Jay? Ho, 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 hey, Ed. Santa the Jay is back. That's right. It's Santa with muscles pumped up to high hell as we drop on December 1st. Hey, Ed, we have hit the holiday season on the What's Real podcast. Season four is full swing in our Christmas delights, and the Jay is pumped up. And ready to go. I'm ready to give gifts to you and Cam. When the time is right, we can do that on the air. I'm in a giving mood this holiday season. And I can't wait to bring the peeps. The What's Real podcast. Here with the Uno Heinz Ward episode. As we uh, give those correlations. It's a 186. Let's do the damn thing. Hey, Eel. Absolutely. And the holiday season has hit me directly in the face. As I feel like utter trash this week. So a little bit of a apology if I sound weird. Uh, I'm definitely struggling through, but we're going to make it through one way or another. We have a good show lined up for you guys. We are football heavy this week because, of course, we're going to be talking our usual NFL talk with predictions, Steelers football, and, of course, our weekly power rankings. And also, we're going to take a look at the brand new uh, documentary that just premiered on Amazon Prime just last week, all about the career of Barry Sanders titled Bye Bye Barry. And of course, we're going to be talking some goofs and much more. So let's just get into it. The J this past weekend was the WWE's Survivor Series pay-per-view, which we previewed here on the show last week. So let's take a look at what happened, shall we? Uh, First up on the show was the women's war game match. And in 33 minutes and 35 seconds, we saw the team of Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch Defeated Damage Control, the team of Bailey, Asuka, Eosky, and Kairi Sane uh, by pinfall. Um, I did not watch the pay-per-view, but I know that you did the J. Of course, I've seen the stuff that's unfolded since, which we're going to get into. Uh, this match actually looked pretty good. I saw the spot that Eo did with the trash can off the top, which she has kind of become famous for uh, through the, the years. Um, but yeah, it looked like a really good match. And I, I thought on paper that this one looked like it would be pretty good, too. Yeah, good way to open the show. And I must say at the the start of the review and breakdown here, the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois, in Chicago, hosting uh, the traditional really solid, strong Chicago crowd. So they were hot all night, which always helps the atmosphere. So I like to shout that out. And and again, good way to start and and bookend the show with the two big war games matches as as we'll get into with, with the men's main event. But but this for the opener, really starting things off strong. This was a really good match. Star-studded women's match. I mean, look at the women's team. Becky Lynch, Bianca, and Charlotte, three future Hall of Famers for the WWE women. Then you throw in Shotzi as a heel or as a face now. And I'm big on Shotzi. We've talked about Shotzi before. I, I like her a lot. She stands out. It's kind of like the punk rock kind of character. And uh, she did pretty good in this match too. But, yeah, good chemistry from all around. Uh, Bailey with the Badonka Donk, uh, really good heel in, in this match. Uh, did, did really well, uh, you know, bringing on the heat and everything. Uh, Charlotte doing some of her shit. Bianca, uh, you know, 
Becky stepping it up. So I really enjoyed the match. As you mentioned, some some really good spots. Uh, there was a big We Want Tables chant throughout the whole time. Asuka was like the last one in and, and um, brought in the table. So that got a huge pop. Uh, did a little table spot there. But good way to open the show and really strong uh, turnout from the women. I, I enjoyed the match and, and good timing too, just over the 30-minute mark for the women's War Games match. Uh, we also had a WWE Intercontinental Championship matchup as the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion in WWE history, Gunther, defeated The Miz by submission in 12 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, kind of what I was expecting, uh, but something I wasn't expecting is watching Raw last night. They're apparently going to try and continue this feud, which, whatever. I mean, it is what it is, but... I mean, I think it's been a little bit better than what I thought it would be uh, because the Gunther character is kind of like a, you know, like a stern prick. And The Miz can be pretty entertaining, but it's just, it's an odd matchup in the ring. But from what I heard, the match was decent, but I also heard basically everything in the middle of this pay-per-view sandwiched in between the two war games is generally stuff that you would have seen on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, for the most part, you know, you're talking about just shy of a 13-minute uh, match, like you mentioned, not even breaking the 15-minute mark for an Intercontinental Championship match. But the chemistry was all right. Uh, the Miz did work really hard. He was doing a lot of a, a lot of good bumping, uh, which I'll take. You know, they did some some false uh, brief comebacks for the Miz, w- which was good. You know, at, at one point, uh, the referee um, missed the Miz going for a low blow. You know, even though he's the face, just to kind of get a little edge on Gunther and he hit a skull crushing finale for a near fall that, that got a pretty big pop. And then I'm not sure if they did this on, on purpose. Hey, yeah, this was in my notes because of course, um, Chris Jericho is one of the guys with the most IC title reigns ahead of the Miz and Gunther won the match with the lion tamer. So oh, okay. I don't know if that was like a shout out, but uh, it was a cool finish. Cause you know, Gunther did the move really well you know, folded Miz up in half and like put his knee in the swell of his back. So uh, that was a cool little finish. And, and again, I don't know if that was kind of a shout out to the IC title lineage, but, you know, different kind of finish. And, and I liked that aspect of it. But but yeah, like you said, it's kind of just a, an average match, all things considered. And next up, we had a singles match that they changed at the last minute. Uh, Santos Escobar defeated Dragon Lee by pinfall in seven minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, If you remember, it was originally supposed to be Carlito in the match as opposed to Dragon Lee. Uh, But whatever. I mean, Dragon Lee's been on TV a lot lately. Uh, The one thing that's already kind of annoying me with him is like they're doing this whole thing like Rey Mysterio anointed him as the future of Lucha Libre. And I'm like, eh, that's not going to work. Like it didn't work all 7,000 other times you tried to do it with other guys uh, because they apparently don't realize how special Rey Mysterio kind of is, even though he's in the Hall of Fame and they treat him like he is a big deal. Uh, you're not going to replicate Rey, guys, so stop trying. Just let dudes do their thing, and they'll work out if they work out. Yeah, good call as far as that commentary goes, Hey Ed. But, yeah, I like Dragon Lee a lot. Definitely enjoy Santos Escobar as a heel as well. You know, I've, I think they made some audibles there with Ray's knee injury and impending surgery that he recently got, which which caused the changes. I don't know exactly what went down with Carlito as well, because all the way up to our preview last week before SmackDown aired, uh, like you mentioned, it was supposed to be Santos versus Carlito, 
Um, I didn't really see much ex- explanation. They just did the storyline where Santos uh, took him out, you know, with an arm injury. So is what it is. But this match didn't overstay its welcome. You know, just shy of ten minutes, really fast paced. And again, Santos working as a really good heel. You have a good contrast with Dra- Dragon Lee, uh, just all the high flying spots he can do. So yeah, definitely a, a nice little solid match for for where it was at on this card. And we also had a women's world championship match as Rhea Ripley defeated Zoe Stark by pinfall in nine minutes and fifteen seconds. Uh, this one seemed kind of thrown together, uh, which is weird because Rhea didn't really have a challenger, and Zoe's been kind of involved in stuff with Nia Jax lately, uh, where they just basically made her a, a baby face, uh, meaning Zoe. Um, but yeah, not a big surprise here either with Rhea keeping. Yeah, that's the thing. This this match was pretty much what we would expect on paper. We, we knew Rhea just had to have kind of a, a display showcase kind of match in, in defense of the Women's World Championship was was the whole point. And, and it does get Zoe some experience on a, on a big show, uh, of course, because Zoe does have potential. She's very athletic. Uh, you know, she can be portrayed as a badass, but she's still very green and, and definitely a rookie uh, amongst WWE talent. So, uh, you know, that all kind of is what it is and went exactly exactly as you would expect with some brief flash pins for, for Zoe, but we all knew she didn't stand a chance. I mean, we were, we were saying that in the preview and, and of course all just led to the riptide uh, Rhea's finisher just shy of 10 minutes. So pretty much exactly what we'd expect with this. one. And in the main event, we had the men's war game match. And in 34 minutes and 50 seconds, we saw the team of the judgment day, Damian priest, Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio and JD McDonough, along with Drew McIntyre, lose to the babyface team of Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Jay Uso, Sami Zayn, and the returning Randy the Gas Man Orton, because he looks like he's about three times bigger than what he used to be. Um, and dude, I watched Raw last night and they had Orton the main event. And he made that it was so fucking funny because he comes out and Michael Cole's trying to quickly explain away how because of the back fusion surgery that he had, Randy's taken on a completely new training regimen where he's doing a lot more reps. Uh, but what he didn't mention is he was doing a lot more reps of Diana Ball. As yeah, he's, to he's doing with a lot weights. more than reps, hey, you with that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that Mexican imported great white shark blood. <laughs> Pretty on. much. And oddly enough, uh, after the match, and this is one of the first times that they've ever done something like this, as the uh, the copyright was up in the corner and they were about to go off the air, uh, CM Punk's music hit, making a very surprise return. I know I was surprised by it. Um, oddly enough, I might make the comment, like somebody made this comment too, and I thought this is funny. They were like, CM Punk reminds me of like a president of the United States. Because when he first shows up, he looks really good and in shape and everything. And then six months later, he looks like he's dying with his eyes are sunken in and he's about to pass the fuck out at all times. Um, But yeah, that was the big story, oddly enough. Uh, I don't know how you feel about this to Jay, but I think it's kind of funny. I'd be pretty pissed if I was in this main event because it's like you went out there and you work for basically 35 minutes and uh, they do something at the very end where a guy just walks out and it pretty much just overshadows all the work you just did. Same thing with the rest of the pay-per-view. But sadly, just looking at this card overall, it was just a big setup for that return. I think they kind of realized, like, man, if we don't do anything here, it's going to be a very, like, average-ass show. Not to say that the matches were bad or anything, 
but it's like when you look over this entire card, it's kind of like nothing really happened on this pay-per-view except for that. Yeah, we kind of predicted that. You know, I remember you saying that in the prediction, and, and we had the example that this kind of looked like a raw on paper other than the fact you throw in the war game gimmick and, and some titles onto these. Other than that, it's a complete raw. But, you know, that, that happens in, in modern wrestling with what it is. And they did have the war game matches and they did have the title matches. So that's that's what, what makes a – I was going to say pay-per-view, but as they call it, a PLE. A premium live event so yeah, uh, which of, i refuse to ever call it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. all all is what it is but but yeah th- this main event i gotta tell you was was really fun to watch live just for the fact that they were teasing the orton stuff the the punk stuff was there as you said hey ed we covered it in our preview both of us concurred that in in our opinions uh we we would you know best surmise the punk return to be doubtful we had said, I mean, we both were doubting it, uh, especially with Orton's return. I, I remember thinking, you know, probably about a quarter of the way through this match with, with Orton coming back. And then when Orton finally did appear, I'm like, OK, there's, there's no way this is a WWE thing. They're not going to shadow Orton's return. They did announce that, too. Like, it wasn't like Orton was the mystery guy. No, like, for it sure. was well but, known that he was coming. But back. they were playing with it pretty well because they're, you know, they were they were playing it up with Cody and the guys, you know, some really quick uh, backstage vignettes or or segments, however you want to put it, that Randy didn't respond to the text for the day and they didn't know where he was or if he was showing up, which like you said, they advertised it. We kind of knew, but you know, that's just with, with pro wrestling, you always do have that line where you're not a hundred percent sure still, which is more rare these days, but still happens. And that was the case for me to, to wonder exactly what they were doing here. And I got to tell you, the booking was pretty much as you could have predicted, you know, with Orton uh, showing up. Because when he came, you're just like, okay, he's just going to kick ass, which is exactly what he did. As like you said, I I reiterate, gassed up to high hell. Because, of course, that's the first thing I thought, like me and Han are talking about this. Because, you know, Orton always had that kind of slender athletic build his whole career uh, to his um, you know credit because he's getting older. He's a little bit older than us as we speak. Always had those abs and everything, but now he's it's like the same build, but with twice the muscle, literally. So pretty ridiculous there. But he definitely dominated as you would expect. But of course, that was all set up for the music to hit. And and I got to say too, hey, Ed, for, just from the uh, personal experience and perspective, I was one of those guys, I was watching it with my son on Saturday night and he had fallen asleep. So I started getting up to get ready to carry him up to bed and everything. And with that logo that you were talking about coming up, I was literally like two seconds from turning the TV off when I heard the uh, beginning of Call to Personality. So uh, cool, cool experience to watch it live nonetheless. And some news and notes to go over uh, since then, obviously. Uh, one thing I don't know if you noticed or not, but they are not using the original version of cult of personality anymore it's kind of been like a newly recorded yeah version. what what a kick in the face to tony khan from trips like you would have yeah. with me i'm gonna bring back cm punk because uh, I, I believe that that whole reasoning was because tony khan still has the rights to cult of personality because he probably purchased it for a certain amount of time and you know the fallout with punk happened well before that initial contract and negotiation so trips is just like okay we have the money we can throw it uh in living color to re-record a a per you know a special version of it to use yep and it's also been reported that uh this is the type of thing that 
There was only two people in the entire company that was aware of what was going on. And when I say company, I don't just mean WWE. I also mean Endeavor. Uh, the only people involved in this were Triple H and Nick Khan. Uh, it was a big surprise to everybody. Vince McMahon apparently had no involvement in this from what we've you know been told and what we've heard up to this point. Um, I do kind of give Triple H some credit here because... He's a dude that's been able to do some stuff that not even Vince has been able to do. Uh, this is the guy that obviously brought CM Punk back. It's the guy that brought Bruno San Martino back into the fold. He's the guy that brought the Warrior back into the fold. Um, so he's been kind of tasked as, I guess, the like ambassador. the peacemaker yeah. or whatever you want to call it, the the go-between when uh, they don't think Vince can get it done or maybe a guy doesn't want to deal with Vince at all. Well, they have Triple H now uh, for that to happen. And... You know, there's been a lot of news reports and things going on. Apparently, uh, CM Punk has signed a three-year deal with the WWE, um, which is kind of mind-boggling. I'll be perfectly yeah, honest with you. Yeah, you would think that they'd um, give him, like, like, let's do a year and see where uh, it's yes. at or something. And, dude, believe it or not, I don't know if you heard about this or not. Did you hear about Punk actually had another deal on the table from another company? No. Impact was – and not – bullshit either like they apparently had a really good offer for him out there um but he just decided to go back to wwe um now one of the questions i have for you the jay because we we talked a little bit about the stuff off air but we didn't really get super into it um did you get a chance to see monday night raw i did okay so during the show they built up all night pretty much that cm punk was going to return and come out and speak which he did at the very end of the show um Man, kind of a lukewarm reaction in my opinion. And dude, this was the most boring shit I've ever seen. He did the I'm I'm home thing, which I like almost passed out uh, because I rolled my eyes so fucking hard over it. Um, Just very weird. Yeah, Um, do, do something edgy. Like you're doing this whole big thing. You could kind of, because they were touting it too, and, and I get it. It's all promotion. I mean, that's the WWE, like professional wrestling as a whole, but especially Vince McMahon's WWE creation, all about marketing and, and over-the-top promotion and stuff. I, I get it all, but they, they were touting this Raw as like a new beginning, and they did have the new opening. They have new music and, and new, you know. I didn't even see that. Brand, yeah, they actually have a, a brand new, you know, all the, the graphics and clips and everything. Brand new raw opening. And they were saying how this was kind of going to be a new beginning with, you know, Orton's. You got two triple A guys back, you know, and, and especially mm-hmm. Punk, you know, not being there for about a decade and, and everything else with AEW and like all this controversy and, and stuff that comes with it. And then you're just going to go back to the well the next night on Raw, in, in my opinion, where you're just having him kiss the fans' asses. It's the exact same thing that he did rightfully, in my opinion, when he came back, came to AEW. You know, yes. he, he did this kind of thing, but he basically did the same promo here in WWE. I'm home. The, the it fans felt very disingenuous me to me. Yeah, like they never forgot my name. They're still chanting my name. I mean, he should have just... It would have been so cool if he did exactly what happened, but at the way end, like turn, you know, went heel. Like something should have came out of this, or even like I was even expecting them to pull something where he comes back and he, like just have him go to the camera, like, "Hey, Vince, bet you wouldn't think I'd come back here, would you?" Like something like that, like 
They're, yeah, because he did end it with that comment into the camera that he's not he didn't come back to make friends. He's just there to make money. Yes. And that just and, wasn't enough. I mean, at least he did that, which seemingly on his own, because I mean, even without that, it's just absolutely like you said, Luke one warm. note and boring. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's like even dude, under lukewarm. People on, on Twitter and stuff even said it was like a Vince AI promo. Like it was just very standard by the numbers. That's how like, I felt oh, watching it. It's, you know, like you said, it's good to be back. Yep. You know, yay. The, like, the, I'm the live most controversial superstar ever. And then he says nothing controversial. Yeah, the live mic is in his hands. What's he going to do? You know, and he does the most is, vanilla. He's going to do a scripted promo is what he's <laughs> yeah. going to do. And I'm just going to say that because I just yelled into the mic, live monk. <laughs> the, the live monk. That's <laughs> true. He, I mean, a live monk here. probably would have been more entertaining, <laughs> yeah. sadly. Um, but, dude, there, you know, there's some stuff going on here that I thought was a mess, frankly, because um, they were using Shinsuke to potentially bring in Punk. Like, he was making things that were, like, veiled references to him and stuff like that. And then you find out on this show, it was all just directed Cody. at Cody. Yeah. Uh, then you had Seth Rollins, who had a major freakout after the match, which people actually think is real, and it's, it's clear not. that he's pr- working. Um, and then he comes out and kind of addresses certain stuff, and then they they set up a thing with him and McIntyre, and then next week he's wrestling Jay Uso for the world title. He's defending against Jay. So right now, CM Punk doesn't really fit into any of this stuff. I, th- um, I think, you know, just hearing you break it down, hey, and talking out loud here on the show, I, I think, I, I guess I get it on the behind-the-scenes business side of all this. Of course, you know, we're going to armchair book and fantasy book. But at the end of the day, I think Triple H is just taking baby steps. It's like, okay, like, it was lightning in a bottle. We we negotiated this thing. It worked out for both parties, Nick Khan and, and Trips and, and Punk. And they were in Chicago on one of their major pay-per-views of the year. Let's just at least get them out there. They, they, they squeezed it out just to at least have that big surprise moment. And, and I think they, they are just taking their time on what to do with them. And they still need to do something. So it's just kind of like, let's build up Raw where he's going to talk. But then they just give them the really kind of open-ended, bland promo because they don't have immediate plans for them. That's kind of yeah, how I'm seeing I- it. Yeah, it's it felt rushed to just have him come out after the pay-per-view. He didn't really do anything. Uh, then he comes out the next night on Raw. They're trying to draw a rating from it. He doesn't really do anything. Yeah. Um, so they're probably going to push that off for we all see what Punk eventually does here. Like, I don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, it, and it's everything again because Survivor Series is over. So we're in that famous December holding pattern that won't get started. I mean, Cody kind of kicked everything off last night by declaring himself as the first person into the 2024 Royal Rumble. So, like, you're getting there, but it's still in that weird holding pattern. I still think there's another pay-per-view in December, so I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't know if it's particularly a SmackDown show or a Raw show. Um, You know, they did the thing with Orton coming back, and he basically made peace with Jey Uso, but said he has, you know, unresolved business with the Bloodline, who's on another fucking show. So that's kind of weird. And that brings like, up the fact that Roman Reigns hasn't been around in some time. Yeah. It's, I mean, dude, it's, I, they're really, and see, here's another thing. You bring Orton back, you bring Punk back. They're clearly trying to do something to elevate Nakamura. And I don't know if you heard about this or not, 
Uh, Nakamura has been featured quite prominently on TV the last month or so, and they're trying to actually treat him like a star. And word is the reason why they're doing that is because the WWE has renewed interest in Okada. Uh, and like, again, like, where does he fucking fit into any of this? I think that would be a huge mistake for him to, to walk into this fold right now. Um, but it's just, it's a lot of convoluted stuff that's a little messy. And this is just the main event shit. Like, we're not even talking about the mid card and the other stuff that's going on. Uh, and I think that, like we mentioned earlier, like somebody like a Gunther, he's the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time. Um, they're clearly going to just let him sit in that until they're ready to bump him up because that's what obviously should happen there. But where does he stand now too because of all these returns and everything? So that's obviously going to probably put some sort of a delay on that too, which is fine. But, you know, you can overrun your welcome with that. And then it's like it you waited too long. And it's like he's been in this weird mid-card state for a while. So, you know, it'd be a good idea to maybe involve him in something that's at least memorable or really good. But they have him tangled up with the Miz. So it's you can tell plans are changing rapidly behind the scenes with what they're doing. But they clearly don't have a vision moving forward. And, you know, they're hoping to kind of like flesh that out, obviously, for whatever's going to happen in December into the Rumble. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say this, talking out loud, again, armchair booking, that whole spiel, that with everything you just said, hey, Ed, I think it's actually good timing for that because you would think without a major show until the Rumble, you could kind of shuffle this kind of mess that you're discussing over December because with our, we always shout out the power of our huge sponsor, personal sponsor of the What's Real podcast, the interwebs. Uh, the only announced events from the WWE besides their TV is the tribute to the troops on December okay. 8th and NXT deadline, uh, which is a uh, NXT, you know, basically quote unquote pay-per-view. I guess you throw it in air quotes now uh, for December 9th. Uh, so other than that, it goes straight to 2024 in the rumble at the end of January. So you have a fair amount of time to kind of reestablish everything going into the rumble, which is obviously going to kickstart the road to WrestleMania. So, you know, we'll see what they do, but as we stand, as you broke down, had the WWE is just in, in kind of, you know, the holding pattern that you've been discussed, discussing over the past few weeks and the, you know, f f near future of a lot of the superstars, uh, as we're talking about, is is definitely like all over the place, which in turn kind of goes in with the alternative, the the, the main alternative in, in North American professional wrestling, uh, AEW, in in the mess, in my opinion, that they're in with the same no, with the same kind of problem, but even worse. Yeah. It's it's very weird, the overall landscape of everything right now. And this kind of muddles it and makes it even weirder. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see how time goes on, you know, as far as everything lines up. But uh, as we do here on the show, the Jay, I'm going to stay out of this one because I did not watch the pay-per-view. But we do letter grades for the wrestling pay-per-view. So what are you grading Survivor Series 2023? Uh, so Survivor Series 2023 uh, definitely had its misses. It didn't have that huge event feel as big pay-per-views can have in the past. I'll, I'll be with you, Hey Ed, and stay away from the PLE term, <laughs> but it did have two really good war game matches that I thoroughly enjoyed. 
a very solid IC title match. Give the Miz some credit there. Uh, Lee and Santos being being solid and not overstaying its welcome, and even Rhea and Zoe being being decent. You know, I was interested in in seeing how Zoe would do with with the spotlight uh, being a green rookie. Uh, so all that said, hey Ed, I, I give it a solid B. All right, very solid there. And uh, real quick before we obviously go to uh, the commercial break here, um, how'd Thanksgiving turn out, man? Uh, Thanksgiving was great. Uh, my, my family. We typically see both sides of our family, as, as is our family tradition, uh, two tight sides with my family uh, on my dad's side being you know, basically the Italian side and close. And then my mom's maiden name's O'Brien. So that's the big Irish side. And the Italian side is kind of spread out because a lot of my cousins uh, have moved out of state and things like that. So due to that, um, my parents host Thanksgiving with the Irish side. So Really, really fun time. You know, you can imagine stereotypical Irish people uh, getting together. So it's always good to see people. Shout out to my cousin Katie, who got married uh, last year. We don't see her uh, too much. She lives in Philly now, and she's not able to make it back. Um, all like that. She she misses a lot of a lot of holidays, and she was able to make it back with her husband Tyler. So uh, I'm I'm very fortunate to have a tight knit family, and I, I love all my cousins. And I want to shout this out while I'm here on the show hand. Uh, this is news to you on the What's Real podcast because I keep okay. forgetting to mention this to you. But my youngest co- cousin on my mom's side, my young, my mom's youngest brother, uh, my uncle Gary, uh, his youngest son, my cousin Blake, is I believe Blake's 25 now. Could be wrong. It's tough to keep up with everybody. But he is actually uh, working in independent professional wrestling in Pittsburgh and just had his – What? Yeah, just had his second match. So – we, uh, what you know, the I got to show you some of his shit. And he actually went over in a battle Royal at a show in, uh, I believe it was in Nor- uh, Nor- uh, New Kensington, New Kensington okay. area. And he, the last person he beat was the Brohemoth. So okay. big props. Who's he wrestling life. for? So it's a company. I'll, I'll get the name. I'll get all the information to him. I'm, I'm unprepared. I just thought of it when I was kind of talking out loud. Cause is it in joy? Um, no, there's 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 PWX, IWC, there's Enjoy Wrestling, there's KWSA, um, and there's also I think it's dude, oh man, there's KWA the J, which is uh, promoted by our old friend slash nemesis Diego. Uh Diego. Yes. Yeah. Believe it or not, I believe it. I believe anything these days. That, that that's true. It's uh, it's definitely not a Stefan Devereaux production, if you will. <laughs> yeah, my, my former one of my former managers that I turned on, but but yeah, how about that? Like, like kind of kind of came out of nowhere. He he didn't talk too much to me about it. I mean, here and there, but he he's he's been asking me uh, some advice and, and things like that. But I'll I'll get more of the the information as it comes. Uh, but yeah, yeah, cool, cool thing because we were talking a lot about his match because he had it. The, it was the night before Thanksgiving was their show, so he had footage from it and stuff. And, and okay. dude, you'll get a kick out of this. It, it's so funny how life works. Guess, guess what Blake's freaking move is? Of course, uh, one of the ones I use. The I used to call it the box office drop. It was originally the. What did Spike Dudley and ECW call it? I'm brain farting. Oh, the acid drop. The acid yeah. drop. So, yeah, Blake does the acid drop. And the way that the ring was set up at the venue they were wrestling at, 
the one side was up against a brick wall because we all know in yeah. pro wrestling, baby. Yeah. You're, you're yep. freaking running the ropes with a brick wall two feet between you and the ropes. And he he actually did the the acid drop using the brick wall to to propel. Oh, himself. that's cool. So that was cool. Okay. So so that was the big news coming from from the Jays Thanksgiving was that young cousin Blake is getting his feet wet in independent pro wrestling, which is, is really cool. And, and the feature presentation is big cousins footsteps. All, all that long windedness. Hey, E-op, how was the, the Demco Thanksgiving? How was yours? Yeah, man, no complaints. It was nice. Uh, pretty laid back for the most part. Uh, did a lot of other stuff surrounding the holiday with some friends and stuff. Had a pretty good time there. Uh, managed to see Thanksgiving in the theater, uh, the new Eli Roth slasher movie. Um, save your money. I'll say that much. There put it that go. way. Um, but you know, it is what it was. It was. I mean, it was kind of nice to have off the time off and everything. But I got to spend most of it kind of sick, so that was terrible. Um, hopefully, I'm on the mend. I'm. You know, I have moments where it's like really, really shitty and annoying, and other moments where it's not as bad. Um, but now, yeah, now we're in the throes of the you know the holiday season, and it's. Uh, We've hit the ground running, so to speak, and it's not been the best. So, but you know, it, over the holidays, it was cool and everything to, to kind of have a little time and everything. And you know, the holiday was really nice and everything. But you know, now it's just trying to get back on the mend and get back to regular life, so to speak, which, like I said, kind of sucks. But you know, it is what it is. And you know, in a few more weeks, I'll have some, some more vacation time coming up for the, the Christmas holiday, which I'm really looking forward to. So, Hopefully, I can make up for that uh, over that time period. Tis the season, hey, you. Yes, indeed. So we are up against our very first commercial break. And whenever we come back, we're going to be talking all things NFL, specifically Steelers football, predictions, and, of course, our weekly power rankings. So stay tuned. We'll be back with that and much more right after this right here on the What's Real Podcast. Join us next week for episode 187 of the What's Real Podcast. The NFL season rolls on, and so does our predictions, Steelers football coverage, and our weekly power rankings. Tis the season. It's that time of year. It's the holidays. Come celebrate as only the What's Real Podcast can with some special segments that go right in with Christmas 2023. Ha! This is Timothy James with the What's Real Podcast, representing Goose or Goose. Since I've been getting in trouble here with what I've been doing on the show, I'm trying to keep my job and re-sign my contract. So I'm getting straight to the point as I represent GRG for episode 187. And the guys wanted me to get gangster. 187, here we go. Goose and goose. Jesus. Hey, the Jay, we're not going to re-sign him, are we? No. Okay, good. Uh, all that and much more next week on episode 187 of the What's Real Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Herman James with the Bushroom Podcast. Finally giving me something to do here. It's been a while since I talked to you guys, but I'm actually helping them out doing an advertisement for advertisers. That's right. If you would like to advertise here on the What's Real Podcast and join the team, just shoot us an email today. We got cheap, easy, and affordable rates, and we can hook you up with some kick-ass advertisements. Just hit us up at Gmail. It's at whatsrealpod at gmail.com. That's whatsrealpod at gmail.com. Join the team with me, my brother Timothy and James, the wizard behind the boards, Cam, the J, and Hey Ed. It's the What's Real team for some advertisers. Hit us up, whatsrealpod at gmail.com today.
And we're back, and it is time to get into some NFL talk. First up this week, we are talking the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on their division rival, the Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers would go on and win the game 16-10. to And uh, as we do here on the program, we have the good, the bad, and the ugly. Would you like to shout us out this or start us out this week, the Jay, with the goods? Um, let's just go with the very obvious good off the bat, hey, Ed, which I'm sure you'll be right in with me. And I just got to say the overall offense, just for the fact that in more than 50 NFL games, it's the first time the Steeler offense has broken that 400-yard mark. So we'll just start yeah. there with this week. Absolutely. And I guess we can start filtering things in associated with that. I was going to say the probably the first time I've ever put him in the, the good category would be Pat Fryermuth. Um, who actually did something this week. He was targeted 11 times, had nine receptions for 120 yards, which led the NFL this weekend in receiving. So it was nice to see them finally using Fryermuth for something other than just sitting on the sidelines or blocking. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was very good to see. that. You know, what goes in with that is just the hope that Washington, you know, our rookie from Georgia, can start developing, you know, with, with Firemove coming back, taking a number under his wing because we haven't seen anything really from the rookie yet as far as tight end play goes, just bringing up Firemove's performance here. Um, I'm going to go ahead. I threw Kenny Pickett on a, a week that you completely disagreed with me. Uh, you had him in the ugly. I had him in the good because uh, it was a week I felt like uh, they got the win and he was at the helm. So this week I'll definitely throw him in the good because this was, you know, statistically the best game he's played yet. Um, it was his, not even just statistically. I think it was the best just, quarterback that's, that's, that's performance what I was gonna, we've seen from him. He looked very confident the, did, most 70, of the game. That's what I like to see. He was 24-33 for 278 yards, no touchdowns, but also no interceptions. He completed 72.7% of his passes and had a QBR rating of 97.8. And overall, like numbers aside, he just looked a lot more comfortable throwing the ball down the field, which was, you know, that was like a breath of fresh air to me. (laughs) I think all of us in Pittsburgh – uh, of course, with the as we covered last week, the the firing midseason of offensive coordinator Matt Canada and the very first play of the first game without Canada at the helm of the offense was a 24 yard pass from scrimmage uh, from Pickett to fire right down so the we, middle. Too. Yeah, we kind of knew like okay, hopefully this keeps up, uh, which, which it did. And of course, you know, there's there's still a lot of holes. We'll get into things, and it all wasn't just Canada. But I also, on the other hand, think that's a pretty big tell that, you know, his first time in, in seasons that he was relieved of his duties. The Steelers had uh, the offensive production that they did. You know, so again, that that 400-yard mark and, and Pickett's performance and everything else. So uh, definitely very encouraging uh, for everything with that moving forward. And uh, another good that I had, hey, Ed, was uh, the running game. Um, I put that in there just due to the fact that uh, Harris had j- just shy of 100 yards. It was a shame he didn't get that one fucking yard. He hit 99. Well, he, did, he did, but he got a play where they got him behind the line. But, so oh, that's right. Lost a yard. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because he had 15 carries, but final but dude, final talent fit- was 99. 15 carries, 99 yards with a touchdown, averaging 6.6 a carry, and his longest run of the day was 22 yards. But the the numbers there I don't think tell at all with Najee either. Right, that's another thing. He was running really, really good. Explosive. It was one of the best games that he – and I know there's games where he had more yards, but he looked really, like, 
efficient and good in this game. It was nice to see for Najee. Yeah, because Jalen Warren in that same conversation had a relatively quiet game. Uh, he was just shy of 50 yards with 49 on 13 carries. Uh, but but the, a fumble. The big thing that stood out was was the th- fumble with him. But I'm, I'm still still all about Warren. You know, he had a few receptions, I think three, uh, just for 13 yards. But nonetheless, uh, you know, he's still capable of doing his thing. But that's the thing with this one-two punch, which, which this brings up. Head with this is the fact that if Warren's having an off week, then you're hoping that Harris can do what he did in this game, and, and then he steps up, or vice versa, and, and then yeah. and then you have that magical week of both of them playing really strong games, and and, and then you're talking. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can always rely on one or the other. That's generally the, you know, the way that it goes. And there's going to be a lot in the good for me this week too. Um, not going to really get into ma- major detail with this, but I'm going to throw Chris Boswell in here too. He was one of one on extra points and three of three on field goals. Maybe the guy that you know is most responsible for the Steelers winning the game because he was the one putting the majority of the points up. So good game for him. Longest field goal of the game was 41 yards, by the way. And uh, you know, going on another really, really good season for Boswell so far. Yeah, yeah, you can't be remiss to put that in the the good in the conversation because that's such an important part of the game uh you know i was watching the red zone and there's games that came down to to field goals that were missed so you can't can't forget about that aspect of football it's a huge part boswell is as solid as they come uh my final final good i could kind of keep going because we're coming off such a high from from having a, a solid offensive game uh but I'll, I'll give the defense uh where you know it's due where it is uh, a bunch of guys playing well you know from keanu benton who we've been calling out but what a heck of a day for tj watt uh he got to go good again five tackles one tackle for a loss two quarterback hits he's just still one of the best defenders in the league if not the this is not going to make a lot of sense to people that didn't watch the game okay um because on paper it looks like he's had significantly better games um this is one of tj watt's best games as a pro and i'll tell you why uh Five solo tackles, two tackle or two sacks, 15 yards lost, basically, that he was responsible for. But he was covered. He had a forced fumble as well. Yeah, strip also sack. worth mentioning. And dude, he was covering receivers and, and tight ends and shit out in the flat. And like, he looked really good doing it. And it's just, you know, it's like Tomlin said in his press conference today this is the best defensive player in the National Football League for a variant of, of reasons. And this game, I feel like, is one of those games that, like, if somebody tried to argue with you, you could put this game on for them and be like, show me somebody else that's doing yeah, all the stuff doing that this guy's doing. It, absolutely fantastic performance by T.J. Watt, for sure. Yeah, and even even Highsmith in this game, you know, talking about the stats, didn't really have, uh, you know, many mind-blowing stats against Cincinnati. But if you watch the game, he gave Cincinnati left tackle Orlando Brown the fits. You know, and and Highsmith's just such a good compliment. Who's an all pro, by the way? Yeah, and and her big coming in now. So so yeah, a lot of goods on the defense as well. Dude, I wanted to throw out another one for Elandon Roberts, the green dot on defense. Yeah, now. he was outstanding, uh, man. Six tackles. Tackle. Dude, he's getting better by the weeks too. Like it seems like he's getting better at doing things. Like he's really turning into be one of the more solid players on our defense. And thank God because the way that the the middle linebacker position has been for the team too. You know, that that's a really good thing. Uh, I obviously wanted to throw another shout out to Michael Walker, uh, middle linebacker they picked up from the Arizona Falcons. 
or the Arizona, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, dude came off the street and played a really good game. He was on the practice squad previously, so that was good to see as well. And obviously, Trenton Thompson, who had a big interception in the game. And there was a few times in the game where this dude was looking really good. And of course, dude, I don't know if you've looked into the numbers and stuff here, but dude, Joey Porter Jr., is not only making a case for himself as being, you know, like a really good draft pick, he's making a case for himself potentially for defensive rookie of the year. And they're already starting to call it Porter Island because this dude who shut down Jamar Chase, he shut down. Yeah, they put uh, him against Hopkins. all the main dudes. Dude, dude, that's what we've wanted here yeah, forever. That Revis guy. We did, dude, we didn't have that dude when we were winning Super Bowl. So, like, it, it's a nice thing to see. And the dude's a rookie. Like, I just got a lot of faith in this kid early on. I like the, how he plays physically. He's a problem. I mean, granted, he's going to get some pass interference things, but he's going to make it a difficult afternoon for whoever your number one receiver is, and that's exactly what I wanted him to be. Yeah, good good breakdown. Hate you up. But as I, as I mentioned, my, my goods are shot. So if you got more, keep them going. Uh, just another shout-out to Nate Herbig, too, a dude who, by the way, doesn't get a lot of playing time but really makes the most of when he was in there. He had a really he nice does. sack in the game where he was running like 25 yards down the field and somehow they didn't see him and he got the sack. So it's nice to see that even somebody that gets very minimal playing time seems to make the best out of the opportunities that he gets. But that's all I have in the good for this week. Yeah, that's that's, it. that's good to see. <laughs> yeah. But now we move into the bad. The Jay, what do you got in the bad this week? So hear me out on this one. So my first bad is uh, the special teams. And as you mentioned in your good, Chris Boswell was great. Uh, you know that that wouldn't yeah, be a bad. I'm him. assuming he's he, not included in this. He drilled actually. all three field goals and, and an extra point. He did his job. Presley Harvin the third that's been in my bad. He was good too. He actually averaged 43 yards a punt. He down two inside the 20 and had a long yep. 59. Good job there. So why are you putting the special teams in the bad? The Jay. Well, let me run this list off. Hey, <laughs> Mount okay. Boykin had a bad gaff on Harvin's first punt. Losing track really of where bad. he was on the field, going into the end zone and trying to down the punt inside the five-yard line. Uh, then Boykin fell on Harvin's next punt. Uh, the punter dropped it just outside the 10. He gave the coverage unit a great opportunity to down the punt on a slow bounce. Nobody there. Uh, there was a holding co- call on Mark Robinson and a holding call on Tariq Carpenter that pushed the Steelers back after good starting field positions. And then this was the final straw to get this uh, special teams unit, uh, basically the coverage unit, into the bad. And and that was the puzzling call to pooch kick to Trayvon Williams, and that led to a 46-yard kick return for the That Bengals. was terrible. So, you know, the special teams made it into my bad due to those gaffes. Yeah, I don't have anything in the bad category this week. So if you have anything else, you could feel free to run those ones off. No, that was it. All right. Now we go into the ugly, the J. And I'm going to start us off on this one because I have a feeling we're both going to have this person. Here. I know who you're saying. Uh, DJ is the biggest. Yeah, Deontay Johnson. Um, he had eight targets, four catches for 50 yards in the game. Um, at the beginning of the game, there was a touchdown that he caught. There was probably a touchdown, but he dropped it out of bounds. Uh, they probably should have challenged it, and I believe that it would have got overturned. But at the same time, I also understand them not challenging it because it's a division game. They know they're always tight, so they were trying to save their challenges because they thought they might need them at a more poignant point in the, in the game. 
Um, I still think they should have challenged it. Uh, you, you don't. I understand doing what they did, but in my opinion, when the, when you're talking a touchdown, you challenge that shit. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but that's not the big problem. The big problem was on the Jalen Warren fumble, where Deontay Johnson essentially just looked like he didn't give a fuck, didn't care, said that he didn't see what happened, which was, I believe, a lie. Um, because whenever you watch the footage, it's kind of clear that he sees exactly what's going on. Um, I've kind of had enough of this dude at this point, honestly. Um, I don't think that the good outweighs, outweighs the bad with him. Um, there's always a problem with this dude. We even spoke about last week where he almost got into a physical altercation with Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, he was getting into it with coaches. It's just this dude's a constant problem. We can't shake and, the problem receivers. And, dude, I know had people, him for give George Pick, people give George Pickens a lot of shit with the things that he does, right? He's a fucking second-year player. Deontay Johnson's supposed to be the veteran of the group, so that shit doesn't fly with me with him. Um, he's also a former pro bowler, so, like, I, you know, we expect a little bit more out of him. Um, it, it just, it, it's, I, I'm done with this dude. I don't want him on the team anymore. I don't think he's worth the $18 million salary that they're paying him. Um, there's, he's constantly sulking when he's not getting the ball because frankly, he doesn't help the team out in any other way than catching the ball. Um, so he reminds me of a kind of receiver that you got to keep feeding him, which is not the type of offense that they have, especially and, when he's known to have drops. And I've seen other guys, like I saw George Pickens do some things in this game, even though his numbers weren't gaudy where he was just playing like a good teammate. Uh, there was another play, too, where Kenny Pickett was down. And if you were watching closely, you saw Calvin Austin and Najee Harris like run over really quickly to help him up. Um, good teammate shit that you don't see from Deontay Johnson. And frankly, I saw his after-the-game interview where they asked him about what happened. And it, he, looked, he couldn't have looked more fucking miserable. After a win, nonetheless. So kind of like, fuck this dude. I've had enough. I don't want him here anymore. And I don't give a shit who they get to replace him. It's just over for me here as far as he's concerned. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's it's too much of this two steps forward, one step back kind of stuff. And, and as you mentioned, he's a veteran. He's supposed to be leading some of these younger guys, taking them under his wing, and he's he's a head case. And, and the biggest problem is he'll make the, the handful of plays, but then he, he has these frustrating moments. In every yep. game. And it's just like, dude, be consistent. And that's the problem. Like, again, when you're complaining to the media about not getting the ball and you're all frustrated, but then you drop touchdown passes, what are we doing here? So it's it, the whole thing of the Diva receiver goes obviously back to Antonio Brown. Okay. And I understand that how big of an issue Antonio Brown was, but look at Antonio Brown's numbers. Yeah, he's uh, arguably it, the best Steeler receiver of all time. I, he is the best Steeler receiver of all time, and I believe that without all the bullshit, he probably would be able to go right into the Hall of Fame right now with his numbers and everything that he has. Um, Deontay Johnson is not him. Of course so not. it's not worth it. It's just not. Like, I mean, what he does, he dude, he, he stacks these bad plays and then lets them get to him mentally. Exactly. So there's a problem there. He's not maturing as a player. We've seen this, you know, time and time again and through multiple seasons. So it's a problem and it just doesn't seem like it's going to get resolved anytime soon. And I, I'm kind of like apprehensive to be like, what's, what the fuck's the thing going to be this week? 
And on top of everything else, too, he's playing with a second-year quarterback, man, and that's not what Pickett needs. And I know we've said that Pickett's not the guy and things like that, but, like, this certainly doesn't help him become the guy. Right. But I don't know. Do you have anything else in the ugly category? Because that's really all I yeah, have that was this week. Yeah, that was it. 16 points, you'd like to see more, but I, I tend to believe that, you know, you keep putting up the yards and that stuff's going to come. So it, on paper, it looks like a, another Steelers victory from the season. But if you watch the game, it was a lot more encouraging than that. So, uh, and as we've been doing this season, the J, let's do uh, some letter grades here for offense, defense, and overall. Uh, I'm going to give the offense a B plus. Uh, I thought they looked a lot better. Um, I'm also going to give the defense a B because I thought they had a pretty good performance. You know, they only let up 10 points. Uh, and overall, I'm going to give the team a B. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm with all B pluses down, down the line. All right, so there we go. And let's just go and check out our predictions because we did predict this one right, both of us with the Steelers getting the win. Um, we also uh, picked the Detroit Lions to win this weekend on Thanksgiving which is really weird because uh, all the years where the Detroit Lions were really terrible and they would win the game on Thanksgiving this season, they're really good, and they lost to the yeah, Packers. So that? we both got that one wrong. Yep. Um, we saw the Dallas Cowboys win handily 45-10 uh, to 10 on Thanksgiving as well in another game that we both picked correctly. Uh, we also saw the San Francisco 49ers beat down on the Seattle Seahawks 31-13 to 13 in another game that we both picked correctly. Uh, the Dolphins would beat the Jets pretty big, 34-13 to 13 in the very first Black Friday game from the NFL, and we picked that one right. Another one that we split on, uh, but the J actually got right and I got wrong, I believe, was the Saints and Falcons. Uh, the Falcons would go on to win the game 24-15. to 15. Believe it or not, at the record of 5-6, and six, they're now in first place. I was going to the say, they're fighting for that division. So that's kind of wild. Um, we also saw the Tennessee Titans uh, win their game against the Carolina Panthers, 17-10, to leading in the Carolina Panthers, firing coach Frank Reich. And I believe we both picked that one because nobody's picking the Panthers at this point. Uh, in a game that I know I got wrong, and I believe you got right, the, Jay, the Colts beat the Buccaneers 27-20. to We both picked the Bucs. Okay. Uh, I picked the Giants to win. I don't know if yeah, you we did, did too, but – the Giants beat the Patriots 10-7, to which looked like one of the more boring games of the week. Uh, I think we might have split on this one. You got it right. I got it wrong. The Jaguars beating the Texans in one of the better games of the weekend, 24-21. Uh, yeah, we, we both had the Texans. We were close. That was a heck of a okay. game. Okay. Uh, I know we picked this upset, right? We sniffed this one yeah, out. Yeah, the Broncos. The Broncos beating the Browns 29-12. to the Browns are falling fast, man. I don't know if you saw their starting quarterback got knocked out, uh, and he's probably not yep. going to play this week because he had concussions. I might be and playing. Dude, hey, and I had a tryout. Yeah, yeah, you were you were Joe Flacco. Who's going to get it? I think my money yeah. might be on you, uh, dude. The Broncos playing a lot better, and I'll tell you right now, uh, I'm starting to understand why. Uh, it's not Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is playing decent, but dude, their defense is playing yeah, a lot better. And it's big. I don't know. I don't know why, but that's their coach's forte. So I give them a little bit of credit there. I think it might be very interesting to see where they go uh, moving forward here. The Rams. We picked this one. Beat the Cardinals, thirty-seven to fourteen. Also, we had the Kansas City Chiefs over the Raiders, thirty-one to seventeen. We both picked those right. 
Uh, the Eagles would go on to beat the Bills 37-34 to in one of the better games of the weekend. It went into overtime. I believe we both picked that one correctly, didn't we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I got this one right. I think you did, too. The Ravens beat the Chargers 20-10. to We split. No, we did. You picked the Chargers on that um, one? Unfortunately. And on Monday night, we both probably got this one wrong. The Bears would beat the Vikings 12-10. to Yeah, I missed that. So how do we fare this week, Jay, and keep us updated on where we're at for the season? <laughs> how about this, man? We're pretty much on the same page. Even when we go against each other, we're just a game or two off. And in this case, no games off. We were both 11-5 and five this week with a couple pretty different picks. Pretty solid. Yeah, so total on the year brings us, hey, Ed, at 62-40, and 40, and the Jay sits at 60-42. and 42. So two games apart through all this. Could go either way, man. Crazy to be honest with you. Yeah. So now we move on to one of my favorite segments, and I know it is yours too, the J. It is our weekly What's Real Power Rankings after week 12, where me and the J break down the teams in the NFL from worst to first. What's Real NFL Power Rankings? And I don't think this one's going to be a big surprise, the J, this week at 32. We probably both have the Carolina Panthers. Here comes the impression. Hey, you uh, what a Panther. Yeah, very underwhelming, just like the Panthers, frankly. <laughs> yeah. um, at 31 for me this week, also not a surprise. This is where I have the New England Patriots. I'm right with you. Ding, dang. Great minder. Number 30 this week for me is the Arizona Cardinals. I have the Cardinals at 30. 29 is the Chicago Bears. All right, we differ a bit. I have the Jets at 29. And I have them at 28. That's where I have the Giants. And that's who I have at 27. Commanders. 26 for me is the Tennessee Titans. Ding, ding. Great minder. 25 for me is the Washington Commanders. All right, this is where I put the Bears a little higher just because they squeaked out a win yesterday. Number 24 this week for me is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, I'll piggyback as we do because I had the Bucs at 23, the Raiders at 24. Well, we can do some more piggybacking because at 23 is where I have the Los Angeles Chargers, and at 22 is where I have the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, that makes sense. At 22, I have the Chargers. 21 this week, just outside of the top 20, is the New Orleans Saints. All right, that's where I have the Rams. This is very weird. At number 20 this week, uh, I have the division-leading Atlanta Falcons. All right, I have the Bengals at 20. 19 this week is where I have the Rams, and 18 is where I actually have the Bengals. I have the Packers at 19, the Falcons at 18. 17 is where I have the Packers. That's where I put the Saints. And just falling outside the top 15, that's where I have the Minnesota Vikings. All right, I have the Vikings at 16 as well. It's a great minor. 15 this week is the Seattle Seahawks. All right, I'll piggyback you. My top 15 starting, I have the Seahawks at 14, the Broncos that we just talked about making the top 15, maybe rising, as we said. Wait do you see where they rose to on mine, the Jay. All right. 14 this week, and this is where I have the Indianapolis Colts. And who was your 13? 13 is the Buffalo Bills. Ding, ding, great minder. Yeah, just a reminder, 14, I have the Seahawks, Bills at 13. Number 12 this week for me is the Houston Texans. I have them at 11, I have the Colts at 12. And falling outside of the top 10 for me, that's where I have the Cleveland Browns. They're falling fast. Yes, they are, but they are in my top 10. As we start the top 10, I do have the Browns there. 
And they're not in mind because at number 10 this week, that's where I have, believe it or not, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I believe it, man. Sean Payton showing that shit talking he was doing at the beginning of the year got under a lot of people's skin, had a rough start, but turn it around. Uh, give credit I think to five straight wins for them, by the way. Yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. Go ahead to your number nine, Hale. That's where I have our hometown Pittsburgh Steelers. Ding, ding. Another great minder with the Steelers at nine. This is where it's going to get a little weird and complicated, yeah. so to speak. But number eight this week, this is where I have the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Definitely different. I have the Jaguars at eight. I have them at seven this week. That's where I place the Lions. Six this week for me is the Miami Dolphins. All right. I, I got six the Cowboys outside of the top five. All right. Now, getting into the top five, the Jay, we're going to have some discrepancies. At number five, this is where I put the Detroit Lions. I'm kind of giving them a pass. But if they lose again this week, they're, they're really going to plummet. Yeah, I have the uh, Dolphins in my top five at five. And four for me is the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, so I have the 49ers. All right, here we go for top three, the J for me. At three this week, this is where I have the San Francisco 49ers. Two is the Baltimore Ravens. And the number one team remains the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, so, so one difference with the 49ers and Chiefs. I have the Chiefs at three, Ravens at two, and Eagles at one. All right, so if you're paying attention here, you might understand where I'm going to go with some of my predictions this week. So as we do the J, the hometown Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion, they're going to beat the Cardinals. Yeah, I hope we do. Steelers. Next up, we have the Seahawks at 6-5, and five, visiting the Dallas Cowboys at 8-3. and three. Yeah, this should be a good game. Um, tight matchup. Thursday night uh, matchup as well. But I'm going to stick with the Cowboys. They've been playing, you know, their their problem to me has been consistency, and it looks like they they got a hold on on their game. So I'm going to go with the, the win here for the Cowboys. You know what? The Cowboys are really good at dropping unexpected games. That's what I'm this saying. This one could be a trap for them, but I'm still going to go with the Cowboys. I know that trap game's coming. I just don't think it's going to be against Seattle because I think. Geno Smith being a little banged up, like they're in a weird state right now, and they they got to right the ship quick, or their season's going to be over before they know it. Yep. Uh, next up, we have the the Indianapolis Colts going to Tennessee to play the Titans. I'm going to go with the Colts this week. Yeah, this could be a toss up, but the Colts are playing decent. I'm a Gard- Gardner Menchu fan, man. It's like these he's been playing pretty good, goofy white boy quarterbacks. I like Baker, but uh, yeah, let's go with the Colts. We also have the four and seven Chargers going into New England to play the two and nine Patriots. Yeah, I can't pick the Patriots. Hey, I don't know what the Chargers. Yeah, same here. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, we have the eight and three Detroit Lions going to New Orleans to play the five and six Saints, and I think the Lions right the ship this week. Jay. Yeah, I do too. Concur. We have the division leading Atlanta Falcons at five and six going to New York to play the Jets. Yeah, uh, this could be tough. I mean, the Falcons have something to play for here. The Jets are all over the place, so I'm going to go with the Falcons. I think the Falcons are going to pull this one out. I don't. I think the Jets aren't very good anyways, and their defense on top of everything has yeah, been playing kind starting, of poorly too. Yeah, that D-line we all touted is kind of falling out I mean, of place. They're starting to realize, I think, that they don't have much to play for, and that's yeah, becoming that a problem. Yep. Uh, we also have the 8-3 and three Dolphins going to Washington to play the 4-8 and eight Commanders, and I think the Dolphins roll easily on this one. They should, command, or yeah, Dolphins. In one of the more interesting matchups of the entire week, the Jay, we have the 6-5 and five Broncos going to Houston to play the 6-5 and five Texans. Yeah, this is a marquee game here all of a sudden. I like it. So what's great about the NFL, 
Tough choice. Um, as I do, man, when it's a toss-up like that, a lot of time I'll stick to the home team if I don't have a better indicator or gut feeling, and that's the case here. So I'm going to stick with Stroud and the Texans to get the win. I'm going to go with the Broncos in this one. Right, I think they split. might surprise people, but I think yeah, it's it could a good, go That's a good way. one to split on, yeah. And, dude, this is kind of wild. The Texans are giving three and a half. I was so. going to ask if you need a spread. Yep, that's what it is. So it's, you know, and that's just strictly uh, I would, I would like. Take it. I would take the Broncos in three and a yeah. half in that one. But we'll have to see because it's going to be an interesting, interesting matchup to see the Texans' offense against the Broncos' defense to kind of see how they fare there. Uh, this one's going to be god awful. Uh, the one in 10 Panthers taking on the four and seven Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are going to win this game. Yeah, I'm going to go with my boy Baker. The Cleveland Browns at seven and four go to LA to play the Rams at five and six. Hey man, I think the uh, Browns are on that slide. Third string quarterback. They're bringing in Flacco. Whatever they're doing, I don't think it's going to be enough. The, the Rams are capable. I'm going to stick with the Rams on this. Yeah, I think the Rams are going to win this game at home too. The Browns don't know where their quarterback's going to be. Miles Garrett might have a banged up shoulder. Yeah, he's, he's banged up. It's really a bad time of year for the Browns, and it couldn't happen to a better team, in my opinion. But it is what it is. Uh, this is, without a doubt, the marquee matchup of the week and one of the marquee matchups of the season. We're going to see the 8-3 and San Francisco 49ers going to Philadelphia to play the 10-1 and Eagles. Uh, this is the game that everybody's looking forward to. And the J, I'll be honest with you, man, even with the power rankings being what they are, I think the Niners are going to win this game. All right, solid split, man. I'm going with the Eagles at home. All right. We have the 8-3 and three Chiefs going into Green Bay to play the 5-6 and six Packers. I'm sticking with the Chiefs. Uh, you know They've been shaky for how the Chiefs look this year, but they're still the Chiefs. Their, their record shows that. The power ranking slot at number two for the Jays' opinion shows that. I don't see the Packers sniffing on an upset here. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Yeah, it's really hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs here as well. And in the Monday night football game of the week, we are going to see our division rivals, the Cincinnati Bengals at 5-6, and six, go to Jacksonville to play the 8-3 and three Jags. Uh, I'm going with the Jaguars in this game. It's not even going to be close, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. It's like without Burrow, the Bengals are just not the same team. It's one of those things, even with a lot of playmakers, strong defense, things like that. They're just missing a, a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback, Jaguars all the way. And, of course, that means that the 9-3 and three Ravens, the 6-6 six and six Bills, the 4-8 and eight Bears, the 5-7 and seven Raiders, 6-6 six and six Vikings, and the 4-8 and eight Giants are all returning to the bye week. They didn't have a bye week this week because of all the holiday games. But, of course, in week 13, uh, we're going to have another bye week. So that is our picks. Join us next week on the program to see how we fared with that. But we are up against another commercial break. And whenever we come back, the football talk is not going to stop as we're going to be talking about the brand new Amazon documentary, Bye Bye Barry, all about the career of Detroit Lions legend, Barry Sanders. So stay tuned. We'll be back right after this right here on the What's Real podcast. It's the IWC International Wrestling Cartels 6th Annual Pittsburgh Classic. Coming to you live December 2nd at 6.30 p.m. from Elizabeth, Pennsylvania. That is the IWC International Wrestling Cartel's 6th Annual Pittsburgh Classic. Get your tickets today at IWCWrestling.com. Hey, Yins, guys. 
That's right, it's your boy, The J, once again, as the great Chris Jericho used to say, representing the Dub R question mark, the What's Real podcast. And I am here today for local Pittsburgh area independent production company, Churchill Pictures. And The J can admit, for those consistently listening, week to week, we have ads for Churchill Pictures. You may be rolling your eyes, but this time, this week, I have a gift for you where you can watch some of our feature films for free for the first time. For those that don't know, Churchill Pictures is based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, established from the bond of two childhood friends. Churchill Pictures envisions creating visual content that is completely original, thought-provoking, and most importantly, entertaining. Check all the information out at churchillpictures.com today. And as I said at the top of the ad, your chance to see their two feature films for free. Just subscribe to YouTube's Churchill Pictures channel. Go to YouTube. Subscribe to the Churchill Pictures channel and you'll be able to watch the full feature film, the 2012 Silver Ace Award winner from the Las Vegas Film Festival, Deference. Deference, the full movie, is for free on our YouTube channel. Then our second feature film, The Unsung, is now available for free on Tubi. Tubi is a free streaming site, just has a little bit of ads, but you can get used to them. Check us out on Tubi. All you have to do is register for Tubi, or if you're already registered, go on ahead and sign in on Tubi and just search The Unsung. The Unsung is now streaming for free on Tubi. Check us out today at churchillpictures.com or YouTube deference, Tubi The Unsung, Churchill Pictures. We create worlds. And we're back, and it is time to continue the football talk uh, because there was a very special documentary that was released over the week of Thanksgiving to Amazon Prime. It's titled Bye Bye Barry. Uh, When NFL superstar Barry Sanders vanished at the height of his career, he left the NFL world in shock. He was still in his prime, chasing an all-time NFL rushing record when he boarded a flight to England and never stepped foot on the field again. Now, 24 years later, Barry retraces his steps through the streets of London to finally confront the mystery. Um, This comes in at a surprising 93 minutes, um, but I I thought it was actually going to be a little bit longer, uh, and it wasn't. But, uh, you know, you get a lot of talking heads in this one. Uh, People that have something to do with either the Lions, the NFL, or Detroit specifically. Of course, you have Barry Sanders and his family on this. Eminem makes an appearance. Actor Jeff Daniels, Bill Belichick, Kevin Glover, Jamel Hill, Calvin Johnson, Herman Moore, Dan Patrick, Rodney Pete, Jalen Rose, Emmett Smith, uh, Chris Spielman, Tim Allen. um, And, you know, just a whole... You know, a lot of archive footage and people like that and former players and teammates and coaches and people that have a lot to do uh, with Barry Sanders in general. Um, this was something that uh, I think a lot of us were interested in solely because of the fact that it was kind of a mystery why he walked away. It's been, you know, people have kind of theorized what happened throughout the years, but Barry never really spoke publicly. Um, he's a pretty mild-mannered dude. Uh, especially whenever he even played because he was well-known for whenever he scored a touchdown, he would just flip the ball to the the referee as opposed to dancing or trying to make a big spectacle out of it. This gets into why he was like that, uh, which, and I really like this too, because 
you know, we grew up watching Barry Sanders, without a doubt, one of all of our favorite running backs or players in NFL history. I think he's, personally speaking, the best running back that I've ever witnessed uh, watching football. I didn't see a lot of Walter Payton's career because he was retired by the time I was a kid. Um, but Barry Sanders, in my opinion, is the greatest running back I ever watched play football. Um, so it was really nice to kind of get behind the scenes with him because – you know, when he was coming up and when he played, it was in the 1990s. So we're talking basically pre-internet in a lot of ways, or at least not to the point where the internet is now. Um, television coverage and things of sports weren't quite the way that they are now either. The NFL did not have their own network like they do now and things like that. So we were really limited on what we got to see from Barry Sanders other than what we saw in the field. And it was really cool to kind of like go through this and relive the whole thing over again because, man... It's really something watching this because it brought back a lot of memories and it kind of reminded me of how much I absolutely used to love watching the Lions play when Barry Sanders played for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, at the outset, hey, you know, I have to say, and I've, I've said it here on the What's Real podcast before, and I know you know this, uh, knowing me most of my life, but my, my number one and number two, and you named both of them uh, as a child of the 80s and an NFL fan since I was in tidy whities was, of course, Walter Payton and Barry Sanders. Um, so th- this was definitely a, a trip down memory lane, all the rose-colored glasses, but in a, a great way. And, and as you said, I, I didn't even realize uh, it was kind of a, a shorter documentary. I mean, this could have been extended, I'm sure, but the pacing of this was great. I mean, this was like a, a really good. It was like a flash, and it was done for me. Such an easy watch just because of my love with Barry in, in a very high production value. As we say, uh, you know, at the outset, it's worth mentioning that Barry Sanders was one of the producers on this. Yep. So that might seem like a no-brainer, but you know what it is, man. Like, you know, film projects can can kind of put get put together in fickle scenarios and different things, and and that can really set things into a territory that doesn't make it work and it's just kind of off. So I think with him being completely hands-on and involved as a producer, really made this what it is. And and I think that shines through because I think the heart of this documentary is Barry's relationship with his father. I mean, that's yeah. throughout the entire thing. And then it kind of crescendos with, um, you know, full circle with his four sons at the end, which was really yep. cool. They end up back in London, not to get ahead of ourselves at the climax, but uh, just, you know, I'm kind of breaking it down. I think that was the heart and soul of this documentary that Barry really wanted to encapsulate was, was family more than anything but yeah i mean dude if anybody knows about barry sanders it's the fact of he's one of those guys and i saw this recently and this is what what's real podcast folks and the jay talking so this is where my head goes and you have to deal with my my professional wrestling mind but i caught uh not too long ago on social media it was a match between i believe it was ultimate ultimo dragon and Rey mysterio but it was okay. it was a match in Japan, and okay. and they mentioned how the video games were pretty much the, the foundation of the modern uh, professional wrestling video game was these guys' matches, and mm-hmm. that was Barry Sanders. His highlights and how yeah. he was on the field is what would you know, make Madden and stuff. You know, like he he was just so unbelievable. And they break down, and, and Eminem was actually really good in this because 
we, we all know Eminem as as the the hip hop legend that he is, and in his ties to Detroit. But in this documentary, being the fact that that he's a, a music artist and just the son of Detroit in an NFL documentary kind of puts him in the position of you and I. Hey, Ed, yeah. just a fan. There's a fan. You know, yep. and, and he had a lot of great comments because he was so passionate growing up about the Lions and, of course, specifically Barry Sanders that you could just tell in the way that he was talking about Barry. And, and that kind of is is my perspective on this was watching as a kid as this huge NFL fan and first and foremost fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but then you fall in love with the sport and all these other guys and, and Barry, you know, in the in the 80s there and into the 90s was just such a human highlight reel. And, of course, it goes back to those classic, like he'd be three yards, four yards behind the line of scrimmage getting hit by like four or five D linemen. And you kind of just write that off like, oh, that's a four-yard loss. The play's over. Next thing you know, nope. you see him still scurrying up the field. <laughs> yeah, so, yep. so just watching – Highlight after highlight of Barry on top of everything else that that will cover this documentary first and foremost was just great because, uh, you know, the the reference article we always like to give our our references the clout uh, is on uh, black B.L.A.C. dot media that I have pulled up by Cody Yarborough. And he even says the term goat, of course, meaning an acronym for greatest of all time gets thrown around a lot these days but very few can actually be considered the greatest in their field. Barry Sanders is one of those elite few. And there have been many documentaries, books, podcasts dedicated to to his incredible career. And Eminem talks about that. He talks about watching a ton of Barry Sanders documentaries and and information. But but the, the, the reason that Barry stepped away from the game was even never fully explained to him. And I think that's another big theme, of course, of this documentary is Barry Sanders himself finally answering that question. And again, we'll get into that as we move forward. But well, I'm long-winded I here, hey, Ed, because I love Barry Sanders. And I don't know if we should even tell people that because it's literally the point of the movie. So it's like a major Yeah, spoiler. good point. So, quit, quit while, um, while I'm ahead, hey, you But, dude, it reminded me of a lot of things that I immediately associate with Barry Sanders um, like you brought up Madden and not just the video game. Yeah, that was like, a big I, part of this. I remember vividly with John Madden and Pat Summerall because they would do the Fox games, yep. which was the NFC. And of course, it just so happened that last week was Thanksgiving, yeah. which of course every year the Detroit Lions would play on Thanksgiving. Like it was always a really cool time for us as kids because on Thanksgiving, you're always going to get to see Barry Sanders. Like when a lot of guys on a lot of teams you didn't always get to see because of regional matchups and the television contracts and things, you at least would always get Barry and Emmett and the Cowboys on Thanksgiving when we were kids, and you still get those two teams now. But that's something that I always associate with it as well. And another thing that I always remember vividly was his 2,000-yard season. Uh, because that was something that up to that time I'd never seen before. That was the first time we'd ever seen a, a guy run for 2,000 yards in a season. And I was legitimately rooting for him to do it because of how good he was and the fact that I'd never seen it before. So I'm like, ah, it couldn't happen to a better guy. Uh, and he did it. And it was just, it was really, really cool to see that. Um, and guys would go on to do it afterwards, but he was, I believe, the, the second guy ever to do that. So it was a really big deal. Uh, and I think the first guy to do it uh, up to that point was Eric Dickerson. 
And that was in the 1980s. So it was definitely at least the first person to do it in probably about 10 to 12 years uh, and only the second guy ever to do it. So I definitely remember that stuff as well. And of course, I like how they get into talking about the Dallas Cowboys because they were winning Super Bowls. And, you know, everybody always compared him to Emmitt Smith, who would eventually go on to be the all-time leading rusher in the NFL. But the one big thing that got me in this one is you learned about a lot about Barry Sanders as a person. Um, he could have had an all-time state record when he was in high school, and he turned down the possibility to do it so other kids could play. Um, he was well within reach of breaking Walter Payton's all-time rushing record and would go on to retire before he did it. Um, and a lot of people said that was just solely out of respect. He did not care about winning personal accolades. Um, he won awards in college um, that he basically just left with people. He did stuff. not he just... want to win the Heisman. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he won the Heisman. Yeah, dude, I heard a really cool story one time. And I don't know if you know this or not. So he played running back for Oklahoma State. And before he started, do you know who started over him? I do. I can't remember offhand. It was Thurman Thomas. Thurman, yep. And I want to say offhand, I might be wrong about this. I think it was Jimmy Johnson. Like Miami was going to play Oklahoma State one year. And he, he sat all his players down and he goes, whatever you do, do not hurt Thurman Thomas. And guys are like, why? Because like that was back then, that's when guys, they didn't give a shit about that stuff in football. You hurt guys if they were the best player, if it helped get you a better chance to win. And guys are like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you, you don't want to see his backup. And have you ever seen Barry Sanders' game-by-game -game stats as a senior the year he won the Heisman? I'm sure, but not in forever. Dude. He ran for 400 yards in a game more than once. He scored five touchdowns in a game more than once. Ugh. His worst game of the season was 154 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Yeah, that's what says He it. generally had over 200 yards in every game. And, like, I believe the total number, like, I should look this up. If Continue to go on. I'm going to actually look up because I want to see what his stats were totally for, you know, that final season. I'll take it. Hey, you know, run with the ball as the pun would, would go. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed, like we were saying, uh, my next highlight was Barry's highlights where they seem to be like a bit enhanced for the film. Uh, just seeing them all together. Just a beautiful thing, man. You know, old YouTube videos, just giving you a, just a sense of how talented he was, you know, and the restored tapes in the dock make you feel like you're running right next to him. He's just, Dipping defenders, um, you know, I always, always discuss the pump up shit on the What's Real podcast. And Bye Bye Barry had plenty of pumped upness just with the accumulation of all these Barry <coughs> Sanders highlights throughout. And, yep. and dude, like, you know, like I said, like I've seen so many of them before, but it's it's just it's like watching like art in, in sport, you know, it's oh, just, yeah, it's, just definitely. A, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but I really enjoyed the storytelling aspects of this too, as we're talking about the, the, the film jumps and cuts to different points in Barry's life and the pacing of it is great because again, it will go back to highlights of, of inner like old interviews with Barry's dad and of his childhood. And they actually have, you know, video camera footage of Barry as a kid and in high school and stuff like that. And it just yep. creates such a, a, an amazing overall package. 
All right, here we go, the J. Listen to this shit. So in his final season, which was 1988, he rushed for a total of 2,628 yards, an average of 238.9 yards per game, with 37 rushing touchdowns. He also added a punt return GD and a kickoff return GD to bring his total to 39. He produced a record 3,250 all-purpose yards and averaged 8.3 yards per play as Oklahoma State finished 9-2 and and ranked 12th in the polls. He won the Heisman by sweeping all six voting regions. He accepted the award via satellite from Tokyo, Japan, where his team was scheduled to play a game against Texas Tech. He added another 222 rushing yards and five touchdowns against Wyoming in the bowl game, bringing his 12-game total to 2,850 rushing yards and 42 touchdowns. Wow. That's insane. Like, And by the way, Oklahoma State was pretty good. Like I said, they were ranked 12th in the country. They were not a powerhouse, and he put up these fucking numbers. And that's the dude that, like, Thurman Thomas went to the pros, and he came in and immediately did that. Crazy. That's, you know, that was another thing. His dad grew up, or not grew up, was just a huge Oklahoma fan. And yep. Oklahoma so State was considered, like, the little brother, and then he was going there, and his dad's all pissed. <laughs> yep. He legitimately was pissed. Yeah. And his, it's, dad, his dad was and dude, a character. Dude, his dad, and I love this, so in Barry Sanders' Hall of Fame speech, and I remember yeah, watching Yeah, it was so funny. He, he comes up on stage, and he's like, I'd like to just say hello to the greatest running back in football history, Mr. Jim Brown, <laughs> yeah. who I understand is watching at home today. Yeah, in Los Angeles and, or something. <laughs> and, he, and he considered himself to be the second greatest <laughs> running back straight. of all time. So he's like, so ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce to you my son, and 2004 Hall of Fame running back, the third greatest running back in football history, Barry Sanders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and people wonder why Barry's so humble and soft. Yeah, I, I relate because you know how it is. My dad is, as we've talked on the show, we call him Razor. You know, big shoes to fill. So I, I get it. But yeah, that was that was great. What a what a memorable and dude, Hall of Fame speech. Check this shit out. He could have won the the rookie rushing record. But he did not because he took himself out of a game. He would end up with 1,470 yards and 14 touchdowns as a rookie. Uh, every year of his career, he had over 1,000 yards. His worst season was 1993 where he had 1,115 yards. He also had 2,053 yards in 97, 1,883 yards in 1994. In 1991, the year they went to the NFC Championship, he would go on to run for 16 touchdowns. He literally had, four, in his first three seasons, he had, he scored 14, 13, and 16 touchdowns. And then from 95, 96, 97, he had 11 touchdowns every season. He would go on to amass 15,269 yards in his career and 99 touchdowns in 3,062 attempts. Um, but the funny thing is, even with his numbers and everything like you can read the stat sheets all you want but it's like unless you actually saw what he did you can't really understand and fathom just how great he was because it wasn't just about the yards it was how he got them that's what i always said about because, michael jordan with that comparison and dude, you know jordan's high, i would like, highlight real shit man is what tells the story to me in 91 he had a decent offensive line in 97, he had a pretty good offensive line. Every other year, 
He had a mediocre to poor offensive line, and he never was kept under 1,000 yards in his whole career in any season. That's unbelievable, dude. And, and to me, there's so many reasons why, why he should be considered a, a GOAT. But what you covered really encompasses specifically Barry Sanders, again, in comparison to, to the likes of like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant, is the fact that Barry was so good, he took himself out of games to before he even beat records. You know, like you have Jordan and Kobe, these ultra competitive dudes. And I'm not saying Barry wasn't like that, but these guys are just in there just getting every, you know, every point, every second they can. Then there's yep. Barry. Like, no, I'm good. <laughs> like, I already did dude, enough. I'm good. <laughs> I, I forget which talking. I think it might have been Jeff Daniels actually said this, and he's 100% spot on as far as I'm concerned with this. He said, I never heard the phrase, act like you've been there before, until Barry Sanders played and started flipping the ball to the Yeah, that was always one of my the, favorites. The you know, I always called that out, how he would just that, yeah, and not, dude, To me, that's it, like... It, that is the best touchdown dance when you think about it. That's what I was going to say. It was literally like his version of a touchdown dance, yeah. which wasn't a dance at all. He even said he was like, well, I didn't dance because I really couldn't. So, like, I, he was like, I kind of wish now that I would have danced a little more. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's just, dude, it's abs. He seems exactly how you would expect him to, which is another reason. Like, dude, I swear to God, there's maybe like, Three guys in the history of the NFL that I'd honestly say, like, I just want to shake their hand. It'd be Lawrence Taylor, Jerry Rice, and Barry Sanders. Those are the uh, three guys. Great, that great it's, three choices. I don't give a fuck about an autograph or a picture. I, just to shake their hand would be such a massive deal to me because, like, when I was a kid, those guys were, like, fucking they – they might as well have been gods or something because I couldn't yeah, imagine. It's comic them. book characters, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and we watched them do real. stuff that it just came across as like this shit isn't human, man. Yeah, one of the like, one, it's of the, uh, one of the other standout, and it's almost like a pun highlights because you know so many highlights involved, but but this is just a, an interview highlight, and it's a very early on interview when it's all revolving around the part where they're telling the story about Barry getting drafted in the NFL draft. Oh, him and Dan Patrick and everything that went with that. And, and well, there's a whole Dan Patrick thing, but there was an interview, and the the guy sitting. And, and you're right; it could it it, it was it might have been Dan Patrick. I think it was. Uh, again, this stuff's not directly in front of me, so bear with me. But the the point is, in the interview, he he states how he's like, oh man, like most professional athletes of your cal- or most athletes, I should say, of your caliber, because this is when he was getting drafted, are typically not this this shy, is what he said. And Barry says, I'm not shy. There's just certain things to me that need to be just for me and th- that need to be personal. And he's like, I just, he's like, I'm not discrediting your your livelihood. But he basically says, like, I don't believe in what you do as far as the media goes. Like that, that was his take on it. So it yeah. was just a cool side. It was just something that stood out because, of course, for, for you and I, two lifelong NFL fans, that are in their forties now. And we watched Barry Sanders, albeit very young, but we watched very, Barry Sanders whole career, you know, as it went on and in, in time, uh, there were, you know, there's so many things that we've seen that we've already seen it, you know, and that's what happens in a lot of these documentaries where it's like, we've already heard all this shit before we tell, we say that all the time, but it was the way that this package was put together, 
the way that it was paced, like I was saying earlier, the way that it cuts from, from one thing you might think is could be out of place and kind of inept storytelling, but it worked out for this. That's yeah. what kind of stood out for, for Bye Bye Barry, you know, because again, a lot of this stuff I knew, but it, it's just the package that it was being told in. And especially, I, I think that's going to be the biggest thing that really made this for me is, is finding out in the research that Barry Sanders was a producer and was completely hands-on with Amazon Prime to create it this. It was in his own words. Because, yeah, thing. like that that is what makes it. Dude, it's, it's wild because his career's been done for over 20 years at this point. Yeah, that's another thing. Um, and we, we witnessed a lot of these games firsthand, you know, or at least the highlights and stuff. Like, we were definitely into football enough to be watching SportsCenter and things back in the during its infancy, by the way. Um, and I, when I watched this, I was, like, amazed to myself because I'm like, out of all the football stuff that you see all the time, right, it felt like going back in time. I'm like, man. Exactly. It, I feel like I haven't seen some of this stuff in forever. Yeah. And it's Barry Sanders. Like, and you know, how is this stuff not like regular shit that you just see all the time? But it's not. It, it was like even the nuances that, that I, I, again, I just, just to emphasize, two huge NFL fans since we were kids. It brought me back to being a kid. But it, it was like the, the, the old AstroTurf fields. And like the, yep. like some of the the random uniforms of the, the time, the Pontiac Silverdome, like, yeah, like Another all that kind thing. of stuff. Just it just brings you back, and it just it like dude, what seeing him running on that field, um, and knowing like you know, remember like the, like I was saying like the Thanksgiving games, it really felt like oh, this is right, like this is this is what I'm yeah. talking about, like this is the game how I remember it. Like it was just, re- it was like a trip back to memory lane for a player that I absolutely love, and it just, it like, it was such a great experience for me going back and what it, it's literally what I expected it to be, and it really delivered. It's yeah. like on all cylinders, everything about it was really good, and I really enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, it's like one of those things I'm watching it by completely by myself with a smile on my face, you know. And, and, and dude, time. I had moments too where I kind of teared up during. Yeah, this too. it was, I was a little surprised. And and th- this is one little funny tidbit because I I forgot about this too. Just talking about the details of the old school NFL and the stuff we watched growing up. That they were playing the Jets at one point, and the Jets had uh, starter uniforms on. Like they they were. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm like, who fucked that company? up because they were so huge they were actually an NFL, yep. like they were up there with Reebok and Nike you know like I forgot all about NFL teams actually have an actual the starter symbol like the S with the star on them and know? dude I I guarantee you you had the same reaction to this as I did when they did the part about like oh Barry here's the shoes that you made oh, famous yeah. and I was like oh my god I fu- those fucking her- Herman Moore Oh my God, did I want them fucking shoes so bad back in the day? It was like, God damn, that's fucking cool. And dude, something else that they showed that I forgot all about, and it was one of my favorite fucking commercials back in the day, was the Dennis Hopper Nike commercials where he was the ref. And he's like, oh man, he goes left, he goes right. He's like, run, Barry, run, man. Like far out. That was such a cool. Those are. Those were so cool. I love those fucking commercials, man. And it's like, and he, his was like probably the most famous one that they had back in the day. Yep. But like that was in the infancy too of like the Jordan era, like 
athletes. Yeah, that was big before deal endorsements and stuff. Yeah, before Spike Lee and everything with Jordan. And, and the it other, was really cool. The other thing that was funny because you were saying about the shoes, and that's what I started to say. They do like a brief point where who who had the shoes from the two hundred yard game, and Herman Moore was ahead of the game. And, and like Barry didn't give a shit. So he's like, Barry, can I have those shoes? And he had them sign them. And he's like, I have those shoes. So we, yep. we found out that Herman Moore had them. And again, just shouting out Cody Yarborough from, from the reference article, because this was a great thing that he said, uh, you know, I'll just wrap up my constant commentary about these great highlights throughout this with this. And, and he said, even if you've seen these replays hundreds of times, you're going to want to see the fantastic job the filmmakers did with the footage. Everything from yes. the colors to the smoothness of the frames is perfect. Any player would look amazing in this quality, but for Barry fucking Sanders, the restoration yep. makes his feats look like pure magic. And that's such and a do, huge part too. A real quick fun thing. I don't know if you remember this or not. It always stuck out to me. Do you remember what Herman Moore was most well known for? Um, just being the receiver. Yeah, but what about it? Oh, no, no, I don't remember specifically. I remember when he played for that team, he set the all-time record. He had like a hundred and some odd receptions, and it was like the number was so gaudy and insane. I was like, I can't believe this dude had like – I don't even remember what the number was. I think it's been broken since then. But like he had like 135 catches one just for the time for them or something. Yeah. And it was like, dude, and that was like in the running era. And that was with Barry Sanders on your fucking team. Yeah. And he still did that shit. Like, That's a good point. Dude, some of those, some of those Lions teams were a little underrated, man. Like when you look back and say, like, and they tell you in this why they were like that because the Cowboys had a fucking dynasty going. So it's like, it's easy to overlook how good some of the some other of teams. teams were. Yeah. That's what happened. Or guys like, Guys like Sterling Sharp for the Packers and, you know, like a lot of those NFC teams got underrated because, you know, the Cowboys and the fucking Niners were a big deal back then. So they'd get overlooked. Yep. Yeah, there's 28 other teams. And that's that's what was brought up, too, was uh, the one year. And Barry says, because they, they kind of break down like the times that the, the Lions might have a chance. They make it to the playoffs. They're looking strong. And he said, yeah, the inexplicable fact that we let Sterling Sharp wide open at the end of the game, you know, they get that yep. pass thrown on them. And it's one of those things. That's why sports are great. It's like that changes history. You know, somebody's covering him and the lions win, you know, uh, history yep. changes, but that's, that's again, that's, what's great about it. And that's life. But, but yeah, you, I'm sure you could tell from our review, just hearing us talk about this, we, we both thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. And, and yeah, just, uh, again, it's just a perception thing where we're at as, as fans of the NFL, as fans of Barry Sanders, of fans of documentaries and filmmaking. Uh, this is one of those and ones. And the way we grew up. And, and the nostalgia, like everything comes together to make this one of my, you know, this is one of my highlight top watches of 2023, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say it was great. Absolutely, too. So uh, as we do here on the program, the J, hit us with a tagline for Bye Bye Barry. All right, do you have one? Hey, Ed, I don't have one pulled up on my reference. I do. The greatest mystery in sports history. So uh, that's they, kind of they, a cool one. To that. And as we do here on the show, we have a five-star rating scale. The J, what are you giving Bye Bye Barry? I'm going a solid four out of five. Same. Yeah, Great minds really on that it. one. This is It's fantastic. If you're a football fan at all, and especially if you're, you, you're nostalgic for that time period, you got to like run and watch this. You'll fucking love it. It's so good. It's really fun. It's a great trip down memory lane. And two, 
like you said, the Jay, we knew about a lot of this stuff, but they do, they still had a, a decent amount of stuff in here that you didn't know in a nice perspective on Barry Sanders and how he grew up and his family and stuff, which was not something to me that was common knowledge. So I really enjoyed that. I felt like they, they really did have a cool story to tell here. And it wasn't like they just made this to make it like there was information and things to tell in it and a job well done all the way around. I so agree. I'm really, really glad they put this out. So uh, you can check that out right now on Amazon Prime if you guys want to watch it. Uh, of course, I believe you do have to have a subscription, but I did hear somebody saying that you could just watch it for free, but I don't know if that's the case or not. So, because uh, I have Amazon Prime and I know the J does There's too. There's always so. a chance somebody poured it onto YouTube or some such thing. Absolutely. So keep an eye out for it. It's definitely worth watching. I promise you that. And I hope you guys enjoyed our review, but we are up against our very last commercial break. And whenever we come back, we're going to wrap the show up. We're going to talk some goofs. So we'll be back right after this right here on the What's Real Podcast. This is it from the What's Real Podcast for Height Apparel, your one-stop shop for fashion retail. For one-of-a-kind shopping experience, stop by Height Apparel. Founded by Eric Walker, our business brand is based around people who are of average height, 5'10 and under. We will have the season's greatest fashion picks. Whether you're on the lookout for men's clothing or accessories, stop by and browse our latest collection. That's Height Apparel, H-Y-G-H-T, apparel.com. Again, that's HeightApparel.com. Hey, everybody, this is Herman James for the What's Real Podcast, and I'm here to just let you know to welcome you to Goofs or Goofs. And we're back, and it's that time once again. So, the Jay, what do we got this week on the Goof front? Uh, take it all in, hey, Ed, with that brutal sinus breath. That was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we both have at this time of year in the Northeast with all this bullshit weather change and we, we dropped to like below 25 degrees and had some snow flurries. So we're here. We, we drop on December 1st, episode 186 of the What's World podcast. So it all makes sense. But nonetheless, can't really take that nice breath of fresh air. It's a very congested mm, stuffed up. Breath. So but yeah. it's still beautiful here at the lagoon as we are prepping for winter. We were saying last week, Knox and our team have things in, in pretty good order here. So we'll be decorating the the trees and everything that we do for Christmas. So it's going to be good times. Hey, Ed, here at the what's real studios. I suppose. <laughs> and then, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm getting, we, I'm officially hitting the witching hour. Cause witching we haven't hour. had it last week. Yeah. We were recording earlier than normal last week. So now it's a definitive witching hour for going on a 12 hour day for both of us. So it is what it is. And I'll stop the rambling so we can get to our goose. Welcome everybody. To episode 186 and Gerg. Uh, first up, this goes in right with this time of year, hey, you know, where uh, the night before Thanksgiving is one of the biggest bar nights of, of the year here in the United States. Indeed. So a lot of drinking gets done. Did you know that the world's longest hangover lasted four weeks after a man drank 60 pints of beer? Can you imagine, hey, Ed, a four week hangover? Kill me. I would, yeah, absolutely. I was just getting ready to say I would fucking die. I mean, how is bro still alive? That is the question. Jesus. But that's an anomaly if I've ever seen one. Yeah, this was an article through Daily Loud where, you know, of course it was a, a guy from the UK 
because you, you know how the pints flow in the United Kingdom. But I, Indeed. I would not wish a four-week hangover on my worst enemy. That's that's like you know all this shit with warfare going on right now. If if they could come up with uh, some sort of a pellet that you hit mugs with and they instantly have a four-week hangover, we're winning that war. Hey, you Indeed. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. There's a whole fracas. That's the word we're using this week on GRG, fracas. As uh, Jerry Springer would be proud, hey, Ed, a woman that was a employee, I guess a former employee, we can say now at Taco Bell, mm-hmm. at the National Fast Food Chain, he, she says she witnessed a co-worker, quote, having sex with his wife in front of everyone at the party as they were having a holiday party. He was kissing another employee, and then one of them vomited in her guacamole bowl. Sounds about right if you've ever worked in general shitty jobs. Yeah, especially uh, Taco Bell. <laughs> I can't imagine a Taco Bell having a holiday party. Like, is that really yeah. something you want to celebrate working at Taco Bell? And, like, it's not Christmas yet because this, this article is from the November 22nd. So it must have been a Thanksgiving Taco Bell party, which is like one of how the- many parties do this fucking people that work at this particular Taco Bell have? Like <laughs> yeah. we were having one for Boxing Day, and then I, everybody threw up everywhere. It was weird. And here's another so, dude, question I have for this: Taco Bell has guacamole bowls. Like what the fuck? Maybe we're yeah. I don't just imagine a gigantic bowl filled with guacamole. Like, yeah, this like one of the people having a. You know, I don't know if it, that wouldn't be constituted as an orgy, right? It's only three of them because he's this eh, guy. The that's a three way. Yeah. Well, no, it's that might be an orgy because it's three people and some guacamole. So, yeah, since a, she, she got dragged into it with having uh, vomit or guacamole. So she'd be the fourth in the party. So it would go from a threesome to a, an orgy. Yeah. Is that is that what so. it is? Is it? Anything more than three is a is an orgy. I think it's it's probably more than four. I would assume because wouldn't it be a foursome? Yeah, but like a you, there's you no such thing as a fivesome. There is a foursome. So it's, yeah, foursomes. Because two, two on two or one on three. Uh, we're we're getting to the bottom of the very hard hitting questions the world has right now. All, all based uh, on and, a threesome getting. Vomiting and a guacamole. Bowl I mean, any, anything to not talk about. The, yeah, anything to not talk more about these people fucking in the guacamole. Frankly, uh, let's go on to uh, the the, the fuckamole. Yeah. <laughs> the the, uh, the the what's real mascot of the year? I'm sending you this. Hey, y'all uh, is named Mangelica, and it's oh, it's man. a Hungarian breed of pigs with a wooly coat that makes it look like a sheep. <laughs> so it's like beware of the pig in sheep's clothing. <laughs> See what we're doing there. But yeah, if you could That's, watch the footage of this the, little fuck. Yeah, it looks like a like pigs that fucked sheep and are this. I mean, I'd have one as a pet, just wa- so, uh, just wander around in the snow. Snow pigs is what I like to call them. We're gonna try to pull some strings and add it to the list, as you know, we're collecting animals. It seems you know with, we have a beluga whale, an anteater, a historic turtle. Dude, real real quick, just as a side note, what's your favorite Mangelica album? Mine's probably Injustice for All. Yeah, good, good call there. I'm sending you this because this is good. You know, very good karma for this time of year. Hey, you know, it's the mating dance of an ostrich. 
Is that, this is bad karma? Let's be honest. I mean, this fuck it, it runs. It runs at the camera basically with its feathers up, and then I like how the dude stiff arms it. Like, yeah. what in the fuck? Yeah, do you see what it's doing? It looks. You know, talk about touchdown dances. It looks like it just scored a touchdown for the Ravens. Yeah, like, literally. Like, I, seriously, if I was an NFL player and saw this, I'm like, I know what I'm doing next week when I score a touchdown. Yeah. People are like, what the fuck was that? All right, I'm sending this to you live on the show as we do. GRG 186. Hey, Ed, this is straight from fuck around and find out as uh, one of our stunts that we used to do in the past gone wrong as a man sets himself on fire. Well, I guess he's not set on fire. He dives through. Oh, a, he's he's set on fire. He dives through right. a flaming table and is engulfed in flames. Uh, tries running away horribly, and it looks like They're he like, was saved. Whoa. Yeah, but yeah, it looks like they did save him as they pat him down and spill some water on him. But yeah, this my favorite part about videos like this. It's like you have no idea how fucking if the dude died or not. It's yeah, like, they just cut off. No context at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this dude jumped through fire. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like the next thing you know, you accidentally click on the other link and there's a memoriam for him. Like <laughs> Goddamn ghost. It's like RIP Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he died stupidly, he was still our Dave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just sent this to you. This is the blue footed booby. And it's a real animal. It's a bird that looks almost seagullish, and they have bright blue. <laughs> it, looks like it, it looks like it has flippers. Yeah, on. bright blue flipper feet. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, as the uh, the tagline says, they're walking like they know they got that shit on. <laughs> yeah, this is what I look like with new J's on. Yeah, like I ain't trying to fucking crease these bitches. Uh, this next one is the video I'm going to show the aliens when they ask what being from the United States means. And I'm sure you saw this. This was a huge viral sensation, hey, Ed? Uh, from, straight from Triple XL Magazine. Twista raps overnight celebrity while a white dude shoots a gun to match the song's beat. <laughs> <laughs> America. Yeah, this is the most American shit I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn Twista. It's like... Like, dude, who did the production on uh, Twist's new album? Like, I believe it was Smith and Wesson. I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise your most American shit I ever seen with this. Hey, oh yo. man, because this is this is something we would do. It's at a wedding party for the visual where these goofs are trying to go viral with this stunt, and the one dude flips it all over for this chick to try to catch in her mouth. It bounces off her nose. The dude behind her just happens like with a reflex to kick it up in the air to keep it alive. And then a dude not even involved catches it in his mouth. Dude, I don't I think this That's is the first time do. in my life. And then life. they all just start going I, nuts like Ooh. I've seen somebody do wrestling shit not in a wrestling ring, because that's what that reminded me of. Like the weird wrestling shit that we always talk about. Yeah. Where it was like like Mr. You know, Perfect fucking, hitting his gum yes. all the time or throwing the towel throwing at the ropes. Towels. Yeah, it always the, uh, fucking I remember wraps. the Shane Douglas like punched the dude with the chain wrapped around yeah, his the hand pit and flying and just wrapped it wrapped around the fucking rope. Perfectly. It's like, why is this happening? Yeah. This next one's a really good one. Hey, y'all. This dude's dressed like Spider-Man because we have this thing now with uh, a Spider-Man fetish we've been doing in these videos. We had two last week, so we got to keep it going. 
and they're sitting there playing a prank on him. So he's blindfolded and they swing this water bottle at him. And then the second time, the uh, water bottle <laughs> just annihilates him. So, so the first one, Spider-Man misses it. And then the second one, they, they do the, the gallon jug. And it just hits it's them off the chair. Uh, if you remember the, uh, the fucking episode of The Simpsons where Bart's playing football. And Homer's like fucking like uh, heckling somebody and they throw a beer at him. And he's like, ah, you missed me. And then they throw a keg and he gets yeah. hit and falls down the whole fucking <laughs> yeah. thing. That's essentially what that is. <laughs> uh, this this next one is our gross out viral video of the week. Do, do, do. Oh, as we do the sound Jesus. effects. As uh, an Iowa man has been charged after getting caught pleasuring himself at Come and go gas station. And that is what it's of called. K U M and go. Uh, as it says here, bro read the sign and thought it was a challenge. <laughs> I saw bro took the name seriously. Yeah. Somebody's like, honestly, it's not his fault. Yeah, that is true. It's like, can you, like, can you plead? Supposed to do? Can you plead false advertising? Dude. <laughs> Some dude's like, I guess you could say he came and went. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this this next one was was also a pretty gross one. Um, this dude, he's a heavy set African American man, and he was shot. I don't know if it was a gang thing or what, but he just starts asking for food because he's hungry with a bullet wound. Asking for food immediately after getting shot is the fattest thing I've ever seen. So like, you still gotta eat? Yeah, he's like, man, you gotta go to the hospital. He's like, I'm hungry. <laughs> Like, yeah, I guess so, dude. Jesus. He's like, man, I might not get another meal, bro. <laughs> yeah. He figured if he could hurry up and eat fast enough that maybe the food would go into his stomach and catch the bullet, which is clearly taking forever to get through his gigantic ass. Yeah. He's like, it's a race, brother. I got to hurry up and eat something so the bullet can get lodged in the turkey that I'm about to eat. <laughs> Uh, this is this is a great one. Hey, Ed, let me send you this pic of this beautiful man. Talk about national treasures after all this Barry Sanders talk. This man's right with him, the bird man. That's right. Goddamn Larry Bird dressed up as Santa. He came down the chimney with care, ate your cookies, drank one of your dad's beers, woke you up, dropped a three on you, said that was your present, and drove off in a pickup truck. Our man, yeah, Larry I mean- Bird. Yeah, and let's be honest, he wouldn't drink one of your dad's beers. He'd drink 37 of them. Yeah, and be fine. Punch your, da- punch your dad in the face, hit a bunch of three. He'd be like, yeah, I want to shoot a three from the corner. Threes. Yeah, he just he drives away in a pickup truck somehow, still hitting threes from the window. All right, next up, we're going to watch. This is uh, people being reunited at the airport where the chick runs in her bow. She goes to jump on him for a hug. And he does an L, completely slips, and she goes flying over him and breaks her kneecap. You see this one. And then he picks her up. Like, yeah. all right, we're going to do that again. Come back, baby. G- great fucking miscalculation there, slippery feet fucks. And this one, I was pissed at Cam and, and Nocturus. Uh, this didn't even get to your desk here at the What's Real Studios. Hey, Ed. But remember? Again? Yeah, we did the, the Alabama Riverboat <sighs> Brawl. For Goose or Goofs months ago. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and I yeah. said we should reach out to some people and uh, get some merch going for it for the podcast, yeah. like do a collab with the Alabama River Brawl participants. 
Say, say that ten times fast. Alabama Riverboat Brawl participants. But they they launched their own merch line. So we're missing out. Two people, uh, two key people in the viral Alabama Riverboat Brawl are capitalizing on their newfound fame. Uh, their shirts says Chairman for Justice. <laughs> we should just do it anyway because it's like, what yeah. are they going to do? Sue you? Like, you don't have any of this copyright. You're, you would have to copyright a fucking, like, a chaotic act. Yeah. Like, good luck with that. But uh, I'm going to use another pun. Hey, Ale, we missed the riverboat on that one. But I'm bummed. We did. Uh, this next one is our last of two. As I've been thinking about in seventh grade. When I got escorted to the police station after school because they found out I was prank calling local businesses, I was saying I'm Ricky PP. And when I walked in, the officer who was waiting there with my mom said, "If it isn't Ricky PP, if it isn't Ricky PP." <laughs> Still thinking about that one, hey y'all. Uh, so this this one the, uh, in in the Internet Hall of Fame, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this this will get to your desk. Uh, we're in negotiations. Um, Cam's working on it with Nuck, uh, with uh, Tokyo Japan representative. But you and I, hey Ed, so start you know doing some workouts because I've been training for this as well. Uh, this Japanese TV show has three professional footballers take on a team of a hundred children. So uh, we are going to do that, hey Ed, but it's going to be you and I in rugby against a hundred uh, school children. Oh, I you know the train at all. But dude, look at this footage, dude. It's great. Like these dudes are actually competing against a hundred kids, three of them. Dude, I don't know what's better, like this or like you ever see the shit where it's like them weird rushing fighting companies where it'll be like one giant dude fighting three small dudes at the same time. Yeah, yep. Or one of my favorites is the NFL mascots playing children at football and and they're just massacring people. Yep. And then this one's like a little, you know, play on words. I was crying on someone's arms and the guy got an erection, says Neona Queen, <laughs> a.k.a. Morning Wood, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. <laughs> Uh, I love life. Did you hear about the man that stripped down at Disneyland and started crawling all over It's a Small World ride? Yeah, dude, I told you I got... I, I got an indecent exposure for that. In, oh, so that was you. Else. Oh, okay. No, 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 they must have happened again. <laughs> and last, I'm not allowed back. So Last but not least, hey, uh, we're, <laughs> we're sending this one straight from Tijuana, Mexico. Pendeos a la orden. As watch this footage, this dude goes at the end of this horse race at the finish line and lays down, and the horses just go over him. And he gets up like, Olale! and his buddy comes to celebrate. And then they get hit and by the stragglers. <laughs> yeah. Yep, of course. And as we've been doing uh, the supersized show and that we are in the witching hour, I'm going straight I'm to the die. source. And what else can I say? Hey, and after all this, goofs are goofs. Uh, yeah, that's it for this week, guys. Uh, shout out to Cam. Good job, Jared. Clang, 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 clang. champions. Before we get out of here, here's a J taking away, whatever, fucking rev it up. Like I used to call myself the JPP, hate y'all. And I'd walk in and be like, well, isn't it the JPP? Shout outs as I have to do. Hey, I love the show to our great producer, 
We love what you do, Cam. Keep doing it for that consistent, constant weekly 16K sound. We love the wizard behind the boards. Hey, my brother, appreciate the Steve McQueen in it, that great escape. Love you, man. It's a great time, and I'm, I'm with you. I need to eat. I need to sleep. If you're hearing my voice, I love you. Keep spreading the word of the What's Real podcast. We're going to celebrate the holidays as only we can. Stay tuned. And also stay safe, stay healthy. You'll hear the J next week. So that's it for us this week here on episode 186. Don't forget to join us next week for 187 and beyond. So stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you here next week on the What's Real podcast. What's real?